we are still in Matthew 5, um, and we are up to Matthew 5, verse 17. So we're going to read 17 through 20. I haven't made a slide, so you can't see it on the slide, um, but I will read. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. All right. So, a little bit of a, a little bit of a framework for you just to start off. We're in the we're in the Sermon on the Mount, which is this legendary block of teaching uh, that Jesus gave. And Jesus is at the beginning of his ministry. So he's we talked about Jesus' slogan, which is kind of repent, for the kingdom of God is near at hand. And um and now he's moved into this, he's got he's been healing, and a bunch of people have decided to get on board with the Jesus thing, follow Jesus, uh, and then he's headed up a mountain. Um, and he's gone into this big block of teaching. Um, and we're spending quite a bit of time in it. And kind of the question that he's addressing for those new followers of Jesus uh, is like, okay, the kingdom of God, all right, so that's God's God right here, ruling and reigning in power, as we said um, on Father's Day, that's the Heavenly Father right in your life, caring for you, present with his power. Um, so that's happening. So what, is, how is this, what does this mean for my life? Well, apparently it means I changed my life. Okay, well, what does a changed life in the kingdom of God look like? That's kind of the questions that are bubbling around in the minds of these new followers of Jesus. And so Jesus doesn't leave them wondering. He actually starts speaking to those questions. And I uh, just wanted to give you a little bit of a structure for the Sermon on the Mount. It's not a structure that is particularly complex, but to me, um, the Beatitudes, which we talk, talked about, is kind of like the picture of life in the kingdom. And then there are these two little blocks that we have here. So what we talked about last week in terms of salt and light, and then this teaching here, and that's kind of the purpose um, of the Sermon on the Mount or purpose of the life in the kingdom, sorry. And then for the, for the, for the next many weeks, we're talking like about the practices. What do you do? How has your life changed um, when you actually come into the kingdom of God? What does that look like practically? So Jesus gets really super practical after this. So Beatitudes picture, then these two talks, purpose, and then the practices to give you a framework. Um, so I wanted to start with, with a, a word that's kind of, 
it's there's there's one big religious word in this particular text that people kind of get tripped up on a little bit and that religious word is righteousness um i don't know i haven't last time if you've been checking with your neighbors during lockdown i don't know how much righteousness has come up in your conversation together um probably not that much and i, I the last meeting you're at at work again i don't think righteousness would have been mentioned um and uh so you look at that word and go what in the world does that mean um and if you're a if you're a big fan of Paul, so if you're a fan of the letters in the New Testament, you'd be like, I know what that means. Yeah, righteousness. That's that um, that's the thing that Jesus gives us, or something like that. Uh, that's that's making us right with God, isn't it? Um, and you put your hand up and say, Yeah, I understand what that means. Um, but it's kind of important to to get a sense of the kind of the key, I think, to understanding this passage is actually to understand that word righteousness and what Jesus is referring to when he uses that word here. Um, so here's a definition of righteousness to start you off. Conduct in accordance with the requirements of a particular relationship. Oh, thanks for clarifying that, Andrew. That's fantastic. So, um, so it's, so it's, it's living right in, in light of the claims of my behavior, claims on my behavior made by the relationship. So again, not helpful, right? How about this one? How about this one? Every relationship makes a claim on our behavior. We all know that. So think about your boss and employee relationship, right? If you've got a boss. Or an employee. Or yeah, or employee, whatever. Um, you're, that, that, you're, there's a claim made by your boss on your behavior. Um, think about teacher and student. Like if you're the student, you understand that because you've got a teacher, there's a there's a claim made in the behavior that that person that particular person unlike a parent that particular person can require you to do your homework for example um, so like it's uh, or or think about um, friends like there's there's actually not it's not certainly not as clear as the teacher student relationship but there are sort of there that, that relationship makes claims on your behavior if you're if you're my friend or I'm your friend there's an expectation that you're there for me. That's just a claim. And actually, if you're not there for me, the nature of that relationship changes and we no longer call you friend. <laughs> like it's just, it's, that's, that's the nature of friendship is that I'm kind of there for you. Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the behavioral claim that that relationship makes. Um, you could think about husband and wife. Uh, marriage makes, that, makes a lot of behavioral changes on you, uh, claims on you. The nature of that relationship makes behavioral claims on you. If you think about your life as having different domains, like your, I don't know, like your finances, your your health, your personal life, those kind of domains, um, you'll notice that if you think about those different relationships that you have in your life, some of those um, relationships make different claims on different parts of your life. If that makes sense. So if you're a, if you're a student and um, your teacher makes a claim on you to do your homework at home, but that's about it. Like your teacher doesn't make a claim about how you keep your bedroom and your teacher doesn't make a claim on your relationship in terms of how you relate to your parents or whatever. There's just, there's just kind of that and no more for the teacher. Um, and by the same token, like with your boss or whatever, you might not talk about your personal life with your boss. So I kind of know that's, that's, that's a different domain. So that, 
that relationship doesn't make that claim on my life. Um, is that making sense in terms of how that? So, so, so each relationship, like the different relationships make different behavioral claims on you. And you can see one of the big things, obviously, that's changing under lockdown for us is that like work used to be over there and it no longer is. And so what we're doing is society is going, oh, now this relationship of work has this behavioral claim on me and it's stepped into my house. What do I do with that? You know? So that, that's kind of that relational um, behavioral claim that we're kind of wrestling with as a, as a society right now. Um, so... That's so. So righteousness, when when we come to the Bible, um, righteousness in the Old Testament is like a massive word, right? If you did a word search in the Old Testament of this word righteousness, you would see it coming up time and time and time and time again. And it's 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 kind of a shorthand word to describe the nature of what's ex, what 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 is expected of God's people it, who, who live in relationship with him, what's expected of how they're to live. That's kind of what righteousness is. Um, and the central beat of the Old Testament is, this, is kind of this, this statement um, that you can see in Jeremiah, varying places, but it's, it's, I will be their God and they will be my people. That's kind of the central beat of the Old Testament. It's like, I will be their God and they will be my people. I'll be their God, and they will be my people. Like that's that's the whole beat of the story, right? Um, and so, if you're if I'm your God and you're my people, that's our relationship. And that relationship, like every other relationship, makes a claim on on your behavior. And see, so see when when we talk about the law and the prophets, which is what is in this text, the law and the prophets, it's actually describing who God is. And then the claim on our behavior that God has. That's kind of the that's kind of the beat of that of the Old Testament. Making sense so far? Some somewhat? <laughs> oh really? Yep, keep going. Oh, okay. Well, okay, all right. I, th I thought you like okay. So, so so you just, so this is so this so this was this was kind of the beat of the Old Testament, right? Um, and then, then I think so. That's that word righteousness. So you got the righteousness thing. Now I know if you, if again, if you're a Paul person, you can be like, oh, righteousness. That's the thing that Jesus. So don't. Jesus isn't speaking like Paul at this time. He's not using that word righteousness the way that Paul uses it here. Okay. So just let's just keep that in mind. Okay. So then the next thing is to keep is is to be aware of is these other people in this passage called the Pharisees. So the Pharisees are these people who um, emerged, um, really got their game on between the time between the, the New Testament and the Old Testament, um, and they were basically the teachers of the law. They were the people who read the law and interpreted it and told the people how to live it. So they were kind of the people in charge of this whole righteousness thing. It's like, you know, head of righteousness, <laughs> you know, the Pharisees, right? We'll tell you how you should live. Um, and that was, that was at one level a really noble thing. But what they'd done is they'd started distorting that and they'd started making that. And you can see that Jesus really criticizes the Pharisees as you go through the Gospels. And, and you can see that they'd, they'd started becoming really nitpicking about it and they'd started making, focusing on really some laws and, and just putting aside some other ones. They were picking and choosing, and then they were actually making the law, which was supposed to 
help people know God and walk in God's ways, they were making a burden on people. And uh, Jesus got really tushy at them. Why is all that important? Okay, so that, that's by way of introduction. Why is that important? Okay, well, when we turn to look at the passage again, so don't, don't misunderstand why we've come. I've not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of the prophets. What does that tell us? It means that a lot of people, when they came to Jesus, thought, hey, Jesus has come to abolish the law. Amazing. <laughs> How good is that? <laughs> We're sick of being under, these, under the thumb of these religious people. We get to get out of it. How good is that? And, uh, and Jesus is like, oh, no, no, I know, I know that the Pharisees taught you a certain way of what this meant and what, but that's, they missed it. So no, 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 I haven't come to abolish it. I haven't come to demolish the law. I've come to deepen it. Because you need to understand this in the story of this. Like that this was, the, the law was talking about this, this ongoing revelation of God and how he wanted us to live. But that was kind of God at a distance. It was God, like it was, and it was a God through other people. And if you, if you think about it like a, like a narrative, like a, like a metaphor, it would be like looking through glasses that are really kind of gritty. <laughs> You're looking at the scene, but it's really kind of blurry. And we get, we get kind of a glimpse of it, but it's like, and if you've read the Old Testament, you'll know this, right? You go, you look at that and go, is that God? So that can't be God. <laughs> you know, it looks kind of, whoa, <laughs> it's kind of spacey. It's like that, mm, nah, nah. And, uh, and, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 like, and, and people are like, oh, let's, let's get rid of that. And Jesus said, no, 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 don't get rid of that. There's, there's a, there's, this is the build of the story. And if another way you can look at it, it's, it's kind of like the clues in a mystery. Um, and as you go through them, you think that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Um, but then Jesus comes and it's kind of like the resolution of that. And then the, those little parts in the story suddenly Come and kind of hold together in a new way. So Jesus is saying, I didn't come to abolish that. I actually came to fulfill that. So this whole, this whole beat of God being God and us being God's people, this is coming to a head. I'm, I'm going to fulfill this because I'm not, I'm not a mediator. I'm not, I'm not, like I'm not someone who's kind of been sent by God, but isn't God? I'm like, God's here. And so God has, God has come very close. So I'm not demolishing this relationship, and I'm not demolishing the behavioural claims that this relationship makes. I'm actually deepening them to a to a whole new level. Um, so yeah, so it's so so Jesus. So so there are people who are like, and you know, there are people like I guess they're they're the rebels, right? They're like, can't we just kick off this religious thing and these claims in our lives and just get rid of that? Is that what you're going to do? Jesus is like, and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. I'm actually doing the opposite. I'm deepening it. Um, but then there are also the, the, uh, the people on this other side of the fence who are, who are like the Pharisees, right? Um, and this is who Jesus is speaking to as well. And, and these, these are the religious types, right? Mm. Um, and for them, um, they've, they've taken this, they're not wanting to throw off this law, but the way that they've dealt with this law is they have basically applied their own, as I said, like their own, their own value system. Like they've, they've gone, I'll take this. But I won't take that. And they've pick, picked and chosen and then burdened others, others with that. So, so Jesus is saying that sort of thing, that needs to go. Um, because because what, what he's describing, as we've been saying, is he's describing this, this, this life in the kingdom. And in the kingdom, the, the relational claims, because God is now here, 
present. The relational claims haven't like dulled down. They've actually dialed up mm. in a completely new way. So, so, so it's like, so it's like every domain in every way under God's rule and reign, right? Like that's, that's what this life that Jesus is describing is. Um, and it's this, and it's this, and it, it's this, um, it's this, it's this picture of incredible, as, as we saw in the, in the Beatitudes picture, it's this incredible joy of living in the care of the father and, 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 you know, the, the power and the presence of God, right. And having those two anchors down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and the Bible says, oh, look, look, in that life in the kingdom of God, the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. And it describes just the wonder of living in the kingdom, right? Um, but, and this is kind of the application bit for us, I guess, is um, what keeps us, um, the reality, like when we hear these things, when we hear about like the life and the joy and the peace of the kingdom, um, we, also, we also look at our, at our own lives, right? And and I think this is this is where this where this text kind of moves from something that was said two thousand years ago to our present day. That if we actually think about the activities of these of these people who are one trying to get rid of the law, or two are just nitpicking and picking certain things and then leaving the other things alone. When we look at what they're doing, we actually understand that below all that, at the root of all that, is this control. The desire to control. The desire to control. Mm. It's the desire to to live life on my terms. And it can look rebellious or it can look religious, but at the heart of it, it's control. It's a desire for control. Um, and, the, and the thing is that this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you can't enter the kingdom. And he's not talking about we need to move away from thinking of salvation or not salvation. He's actually talking about experiencing the, the joy and the reality of, of being in God's care. Like it's now, it's experiencing the kingdom. He's talking, you won't be able to experience the kingdom if you remain locked in trying to control your life. Right. So he's not saying, you know, this is only if you've got super righteousness, are you actually going to get into heaven? What he's saying is if you want to experience the kingdom of God now, yeah. this this is the the kind of... Yeah, and life and relationship that you yeah, need to live. Yeah, and the righteousness of the kingdom is is God's rule and reign, God's way in every single domain of your life. Mm. That's what the righteousness of the kingdom is. And so he's saying you you can't enter into that if you remain a control freak. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that looks yeah, whether that looks like rebellion or religion, um, you need to let that go. So. And and I, like I mean we do this like and so there's that question of like wh- wh- <laughs> okay what well there's the question of why am I trying to control stuff in my life that I know I can't control and then what what do I need to actually release that control meaningfully um, I mean and it, like to me it, it like and I was I was having this conversation with this this guy the other day and just in terms of like he was he was talking about how he couldn't stop working he would. He'd just come home and work and then work and work and work and work. And he's like, I don't know what to do. I can't stop working. Um, and I think we have those areas in our lives. It's like, well, I can't stop this activity. I don't even want to do it anymore, but I can't stop it. And it's like, well, why can't you stop it? And, and through that conversation, he understood like, well, 
I'm, I'm scared I'll lose my job. Mm. And why can't I stop that behavior with my, because I'm scared I can't protect my kids or I'm scared I can't make my career work or I'm scared I can't make this relationship work and I just, I need to exhibit control. You know, I need to, I need to be in control. Mm. And, and right at the base of that, again, is just that, that foundational fear of no one's got my back. Mm. So I've got to, I've got to take care of this yeah, because I've got no to take one else care taking care of them Because no one's, and no one's got my back. Case. That's right. <laughs> and, so, and so you go, well, yeah, well, obviously God's got your back. And a level that's like, as, as, you know, it's as a church thing. Us <laughs> as Christians, we're like, oh, yeah, God's got our back. But then why don't we trust him, you know? Why don't we actually surrender to him? And I think, I think at that, I think at that, like thinking about that, um, I think there, I think, you know, we have that under underlying question of is God actually good? Like, okay, you've told me that God's close and he's God's ruling in power, but what is his, what is he really like? He's a, he's a father, but is he a good father? And where do we go for the information to get to answer that question, right? Um, and I think there, you know, there are two places we can look. Like if you look at your own life, um, you, can, you know, and I've done this in terms of God's good if these things are happening, <laughs> and God's bad if these things are happening, right? So if you look at your life, it's going to go like this: <laughs> like God's good, God's not good; God's good, and God's not, God's not good. Um, but obviously, not a very reliable. Not a very reliable thing. <laughs> But, but then the other thing that, that we're called to do, like that as Christians, is that we're called to read the Bible, like go to the Bible to find out who God is, right? But again, if you go to the Old Testament, uh, for, for, particularly if you're, a new, if you're a new believer, you read the Old Testament, it's like, what is going on here? <laughs> who is yeah. this God? Yeah, who is this God? Is this, is, this the, is this the same God or is it someone different? Uh, they're real questions, right? Mm. Um, and so Jesus is like, yeah, that was blurry. I think there's almost an acknowledgement of the blurriness of that in Jesus. But he's like, no, 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 it has its place. It all fits in God's plan and in God's story. Yeah. But now God has come close in Jesus. And you go, well, okay, Jesus, yeah, but who is he? How do I know, how do I know his heart? And, um, and we go, well, hear what he said and look at what he did. And ultimately look at the cross. Ultimately look at the cross. And when we, when we shift our eyes from our own lives to look at the cross, to really come to terms with this is the creator on this, on this cross giving himself for me. Then perhaps that thing about my job or my kids or whatever it is, perhaps, perhaps I could give that to him. If he's given himself for me, perhaps I could give that to him. And then there's this beautiful, and it's right through Jesus' teaching, there's this beautiful promise that the weariness and the anxiety and the anger that control produces in us, that can go as we surrender again to him. Mm. And it's interesting. We know this, right? A bunch of us have been doing this for a long time. We know that that isn't just a one-off thing at all. Um, but it is... Um, but it is the only place where we enter into the fullness of the, of the kingdom is when we actually surrender to the king. So it's a little, it's a simple message, I know, um, but I think it's, I think it's, it's one that um, my heart needs to hear.
And even even yesterday, just I just took some time to just sit with the Lord and speak with the Lord about things that were in my mind, my heart. And you know when when God has felt like at a distance and just over there somewhere, um, and my head has been very busy with work and very busy with a whole bunch of things, and then I just took the time to just quiet and actually just meet with him. I was like, oh, God, you're so good. <laughs> you're so good. Being able to talk to you and just offload this to you and know that you have it is extraordinary. <laughs> I just feel like, oh, I love this. I love you more than Netflix. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like this. It's like, God, you, 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 you bring me peace, and your knowing of me brings me peace and joy that nothing else does. Hmm. And so there's that, yeah, there's that invitation um, to just re-enter that um, through releasing control. Um, you know, there's that whole uh, truth from that recovery stuff, right? That um, that when we're when we're uh, trying to control something that we that we shouldn't, uh, we lose control of ourselves, um, and that's just true. So, application in light of the cross. Wonder take a few moments to think. Where are you? Where are you leaning today? Are you leaning more towards the rebel or the religious? Where's your where's your tendency today? Just like oh Jesus, just stay it. The rebel, just just I'll, I'll take I'll take the forgiveness, Jesus or whatever. But I don't want any relational claims on my life. Like <laughs> um, I want to I want to just I'll have your love, but I'll do things my way. That rebel, um, or is it the religious? Actually, I'll I'll do all the nice things, um, but actually I'll just carve out little patches of turf that you can't touch, God. Is it the religious? Um, and do you care about that? Like, honestly, if you think about those tendencies within yourself, do you care about that? Um, I know it sounds like an unnecessary question, but if we've got no no desire to really exit those patterns, then, yeah. So I wonder, just ask yourself, do I care? Do I care that I'm, that I'm trying to grasp for control in different places? Do I care? Well, I think the question there yeah. is, do you really want to experience the kingdom now? You yeah. Know? Um, because that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about entering the kingdom, meaning experiencing all the peace and all the wonderful things that come from having God as king. But he's saying that this is the way to enter into it. It's It's not to be rebellious and say, oh, well, I can do whatever I want. God can't tell me what to do. And it's not to be religious of like, yep, I'm fantastic. I've got all this covered. I can tick it all off because neither of those lead to life experiencing God, which is, which is what we want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So the way to, yeah, the way to live, live the way of the kingdom is to release control to God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So as a, yeah, think about that. And then, um, is there one thing, maybe now if you can name one thing that right now you're trying to control that you know you can't and shouldn't? Uh, so when I was writing this little bit, um, it was my neighbour who is, oh, I don't know. He, it's not Jeremy and Alison. It's not They're Jeremy and Alison, but this guy, I mean, he is just, he loves his garden with with power tools um, all weekend. <laughs> And I can't control him. 
but I want to. And I felt very angry. So, you know, that, that, so it might be a small thing like that, or it might be a bigger thing. It might be, hey, God, what's, what, where are we living in the future? Whatever it is. Um, God, I need that person at, the, at work to, to sign that document on Monday or I'm, you know, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. Um, but just try name one thing, it could be big or small, that you're trying to control right now. And then as you think about that, try to think about the, the emotion that that's producing in you, that effort to control. And then just invite you to take this moment, invite us to take this moment to release control and tell Jesus that you're sorry for stepping outside of his design and then inviting Jesus to rule and reign, to work his will in that situation. So, yeah, let's, let's take a few minutes to pray that, pray for that, and then we'll move into communion, that celebration of the goodness of our God giving himself for us. So, yeah, let's pray.